Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Juiciest Bits. I'm Mandy Elliott, soon to be joined by my wonderful co-host, Charlie Barber. And today, we have a special treat for all of you Winnipeggers out there. Uh, We are talking about Ilya Neischiller's 2021 movie, Nobody, which was very obviously shot in Winnipeg. Um, And uh, it looks great. So uh, it stars Bob Odenkirk and Connie Nielsen and Christopher Lloyd and RZA. And it's just a real romp. So... Uh, We're looking forward to sharing our thoughts with you. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Juiciest Bits when we talk about nobody. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Juiciest Bits. I'm Mandy. And I'm Charlie. And here we go. Here we go. Um, Today we're talking about uh, the tightest of tight 90s action movies. (laughs) It's so tight. Nobody. It is very... Everyone is tight in this movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, There's not a flabby one in the bunch. Um, and it covers so much ground in its very short runtime. It really does. Yeah. A yeah. lot. There's a lot going on. There's, there's, I would say more that more than needs to be going on for what happens. But I also think it's very, like nothing is kind of left dangling. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it's a is lean, mean, a efficient machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking it's like one of those beautiful bespoke tiny homes that mm. somehow pack like you know, a kitchen and a billiards room and a, like a child's nursery Swimming and also a pool, pool. room in yeah. like a little shed. Yeah. Basically, yes. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think okay. that's accurate. Because it's actually shorter than 90 minutes. Uh-huh. It's like 84 or something if we don't count the credit sequence. Oh, yeah. Um, and the post-credit sequence. Yeah. Which I will not because that is a horrifying post-credit sequence. <laughs> it is. It is truly upsetting. (laughs) Um, But more about that later. Yes, we digress. So simultaneously, there's a whole lot in this movie and not very much at all. Um, But there are some very good reasons to watch this movie. Yes. What are they? Well, the the first very good reason and maybe the best reason is that it is shot in our dear Winnipeg. Um, yes. And the streets are very recognizable. Very recognizable. And the places are very recognizable. Super recognizable. And it's just... A, a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah. So, like, what if you watch John Wick and were like, hmm, but what if it took place in Winnipeg? Oh, it would. <laughs> I didn't think it would be possible, but it would make John Wick better. I know. Well, it's up no, for debate. It would. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I may have a different opinion, but okay. No, you'll come around. Um. Yeah. Also, if you watch John Wick and was like, mm, I would just prefer that he had a family instead of having a dog. Mm-hmm. Also, if you watch John Wick and were like, mm, what if John Wick's dad was Christopher Lloyd? Yes. And his brother was RZA. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is amazingly cast. It is, I would say, overcast considering the amount of like stuff that everyone has to do like these are like major people they are connie nielsen is in it for a hockey second and she like barely has anything to do oh but justice for connie nielsen she does a lot without doing a lot oh right okay all right i mostly was just like sheet man like give her more to do give her things yes give her splashy things i mean i always like to see more connie nielsen but I, I really, We saw really her, like, like, kick ass in Wonder Woman. That's no, true. Like, most recently. We know that, like, you know, she wants to do that stuff, too. Well, maybe if Bob Odenkirk gets his way, there will be a sequel, and she'll do more kicking ass. Mm, is that happening? Well, I heard he wants one. I don't know if it's happening. Okay. Or okay. I heard that he, he is open to one, maybe, okay. is a better way of putting it. 
Because yeah. the end is pretty open. Oh, yeah. Oh, they clearly set it up for yeah. a sequel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fully. and the, the post credit sequence is very uh, suggestive. Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In a grim way. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, does this movie, do you think, posit the, the classic, like, you can be hot or funny, but not both issue? Because Bob Odenkirk, very hot, very fit, not really funny in this one. Not... Yeah, so he's not it's a trade funny off. in this one, but there are funny moments that yeah. he's part of. Okay, all right. Sure. But yes, he's he's an, an all-out daddy in this one. Oh boy, is he. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. He looks he looks so good. He does. Have you seen Lucky Hank? No. Okay, it's a very fun um show where uh Bob Odenkirk is a uh English uh department chair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the story just writes itself. But he yeah. <laughs> he is like um like he's got a full beard. He looks so good. Oh terrific. Uh I you know what? I'm I'm very pro beard on Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Like major beard. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. wanted more beard on this. He's, Too he's, much chin. He's Ew. definitely not Saul Goodman in this. Oh, he no. has he has some nice scruff. He he does, yeah, but it never, you know, goes full bush. No. Yeah. No, no face bush. I do love a face bush. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> um, okay, did, had you seen this before? And and did you clock all the Winnipeg shots on the first time you saw it, or was it a Yes. So I saw later it, revelation. I saw it once. Aaron and I watched it. And we watched it because it was made in Winnipeg, and, okay. and Aaron that was, was very draw. excited. So we were watching it in our basement, just being like, "There it is! There's that! There's that! There's that street! We know that place!" And it was it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, but it was also easy. Like, of course, a lot of it takes place indoors, where you don't necessarily notice that. Yeah. That it's Winnipeg, but, um, but yeah, it's it's just a very fun romp mm-hmm. to see your your city in a yeah. movie. Yeah, totally. Um, there's this thing that happens whenever I watch a movie that's like noticeably filmed in Winnipeg. Like they're not trying to hide it or mm. um, <clears throat> hit you over the head with like establishing shots of like Chicago or something. Right. Um, where I start to feel like the movie is giving me deja vu, <laughs> even if I haven't seen it before. But I'm just like it like it enters my subconscious first and I'm like, oh, I've been here. I know this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's real because I have. Totally. Um, where do you think this movie is like supposed to be set? I don't know because there are some establishing shots of a of a big city. Yeah. That I don't think is Winnipeg. No. Um and some of some horizon shots are not Winnipeg. No, not at but all. But no. I don't I don't think it's clear. Like I think given the nature of the plot, he's sort of laying low. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's necessarily a major major city yeah it feels sort of like nowheresville midwest yeah kind of. yeah exactly so yeah i huh. don't know all right all right i wasn't sure if i'm yeah but they're not like oh this is boise or something yeah no i don't think it's ever spoken yeah okay all right all right um may i do a summary please do a summary okay all right buckle up <laughs> all right we open with a very battered bob odenkirk playing uh one hutch mansell which that is the most fake spy name i've ever heard in my life (laughs) like is hutch a nickname that he like then embraced (laughs) 
Is it short for something? And what could it possibly be short for? Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, that's a recognizable name. <laughs> but I was like, Hutch is a breakfast nook furniture item. Not a grown-ass man's or name. Or a rabbit's home. And that is, yes, yes. And that is the final word on that. <laughs> Anywho, Bob slash Hutch is all beat up, sitting at a table, staring at the camera, wearing handcuffs, clearly in some kind of interview room. The shot stays on him as he lights a cigarette with an old-timey lighter and then starts hauling some stuff out of his jacket like no big deal. A can of tuna. A can opener. And last but not least... A real-life baby kitten. A very adorable baby kitten. He just had an adorable baby kitten in his coat the whole time. In uh, The whole time. And we have many questions about this, but we're also rendered speechless by the sheer tender badassery displayed by dear old Hutch. The cops on the other side of the table are also awed by his sensitive, chaotic masculinity and ask him who he is. Which you'd think they would have figured out when they were arresting him prior to this moment, when they were presumably patting him down and yet somehow missing the can of tuna and the can opener (laughs) and the live kitten in his pocket. Yeah, they're not very good at their job. (laughs) Well, they're so wowed at his dominant yet gentle aura that all knowledge of procedure just flows out of their heads. Just as Hatch goes to answer these clueless cops by saying, I'm, he's cut off by title card drop, nobody. Ah, This two-minute opening scene is a masterclass. It's delightful. Of mystery and restraint and economy and also the hotness of bob odenkirk holding kittens (laughs) everything we could ever want in two minutes it's true this sets the pace for the rest of the film's 86 minutes it is tight efficient storytelling and if you have any questions about pesky things like logic or coherence bury them deep within you like an old identity and never let them (laughs) see the light of day because they could destroy both you and everyone you love the movie also loves a title card And it'd be interesting to calculate how much precious time is spent on title cards here because we don't have a lot of space to work with and a lot of title cards are used. So I don't know. It'd probably be some outrageous percentage. Case in point, after the big title card naming the movie that we're already watching, we get another title card. It's Monday. No, wait, Tuesday. And we have a montage of days through the week in which Hutch has a morning jog, slurps coffee, rides the bus, Crunches numbers at a desk and then goes home to sleep next to Mrs. Hutch, a.k.a. Justice for Connie Nielsen. (laughs) This Groundhog Day life of misery, a.k.a. comfortable white hat upper middle class suburban living, (laughs) is disrupted one night when a couple break into Hutch's house and hold him at gunpoint while demanding cash money. He passively gives them like 20 bucks and loose change. And when they're disappointed in that, he's like, I use a debit card, whatever. Uh, And at this moment... I was like, okay, (laughs) who breaks into a fancy house and expects to find dollar bills just lying around? Who, who expects portable cash? Fancy people keep their money in offshore accounts. Everyone knows this. (laughs) If I broke into a fancy house, I'd be grabbing the TV first, probably. And then some fancy pottery bowls or something. And then a cashmere blanket to wrap my pottery in. (laughs) And then maybe some art. What would you take on a robbery to a fancy house? Jewelry. Oh, ju- oh that's good. Good call. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Small things. I was like, I want heavy shit like pottery bowls. <laughs> well, clearly a life of crime is not for me. <laughs> Stick with me, kid. <laughs> 
So everything about this break-in is baffling, but it gives Hutch Jr. a chance to be a hero when he tackles one of the burglars, leaving Hutch Sr. looking like a fool when he tells Jr. to let these people take their $20 and go. This is a no-hero household. But then everyone keeps making a big deal about how Hutch didn't have the balls to defend his home and family. Like, the cops who show up to take a report at the end. Like, shame Hutch for not being a man and beating up the burglars. The asshole neighbor says how he wishes the burglars had chosen his place to rob instead because, quote, he needs the exercise. Like, oh my god. Uh, <laughs> uh, and even Mrs. Hutch's father and brother, because it turns out that Hutch works for his in-laws construction company, more emasculation. Um, they're like, uh, dude, is there something wrong with you? Like, defend your family, bro. Here's a random gun for next time. Which, like, <laughs> is also a bonkers thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you're now a target for all burglars ever because you were a pussy this one time. Hutch accepts the criticism, but hides the gun in a pizza pocket box in the staff kitchen freezer. This is yet another plot point that is rich in possibility that never comes to fruition. What would happen, for example, if, like, poor Daryl from Purchasing goes to grab the last pizza pocket for lunch and instead shoots his own head off? <laughs> what would happen? Well, his head would be gone. All right. Yeah. But no, we don't even consider poor Daryl, nor his empty stomach. <laughs> Because all we've learned from the late, great Anton Chekhov is that if a man puts a loaded gun in a pizza box in Act One, <laughs> that same man will use that pizza box gun in his greatest hour of need, oh, ideally yes. Act Three. Chekhov's pizza box. Chekhov's pizza box gun. Yeah. That, that classic. Very of literature. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's around this time that things get a little weird because we see old Hutchie have a strange conversation with radio it was a radio right yeah he's talking into a radio he's talking into an old-timey radio old-timey radio that goes both ways yeah not just one way uh with someone who asks about the break-in because it's all anyone wants to talk about and suddenly hatch shows us that there's more under the hood than we expected from this meek old accountant who is oddly jacked hatch <laughs> describes the gun used in the robbery and then says it wasn't loaded so he didn't want to hurt the burglars even if it makes him look weak to everyone else Hutch then goes off and visits his dad, Papa Hutch, a.k.a. Christopher Lloyd, who is in a nursing home and see, who seems to have secrets of his own. But it could just be his enormous ears. <laughs> um, also, please note that this is clearly a fringe callback because, as in season three, Christopher Lloyd is a retired rock musician living in a nursing home and recruited by the fringe team to figure out what the observers want from Peter and Walter. No big deal. <laughs> Each scene transition is interspersed with shots of Hutch on a bus going past some notable Winnipeg landmark. We love it. Um, but also it's important to know that this upper middle class man loved the transit system and not just as an abstract concept for poor people. Yes. He really, really likes taking the bus himself. Ugh. Back at home, Hutch's daughter is like, where's my kitty cat bracelet? Would the robbers have taken it? And just like that... <laughs> Because everything <laughs> happens very quickly. That's one of my favorite parts. He's, he's just like, that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hutch has spurned it to action. Hauling out a bunch of detective techniques that would have been outdated 20 years ago. Never mind this in the year of our Lord 2021 when mm. the movie came out. He uh, noticed that one of the robbers had a tattoo. So predictably, he goes and visits a bunch of tattoo shops in person. In order to locate the robbers. And there are a lot of tattoo shops. Like, oh, yeah. Wow. There are a lot. He goes to, like, seven. Yeah. 
in this, like, and we're, oh, we're just watching it happen over and over. And everyone's like, no, dude, whatever. Check my Instagram instead. But maybe no one told him about Instagram. Yeah, I doubt he knows about Instagram. <sighs> yeah, no. When he finally sneaks into the robber's apartment, cinematic irony, <laughs> the Robbie has become the rubber. He discovers that they're actually generically poor and ethnic and also new parents. It's all just like kind of gross. And furthermore, they have no idea what he's talking about when he demands that they give him back the kitty cat bracelet. Foiled in this attempt to regain his daughter's honor, or at least her plastic toy jewelry, he goes to punch a brick wall in the rain and then take a little bus ride to calm down. Instead, some aggressively drunk Russian dudes get on the bus and start hassling a young woman. So Hutch finally gets an outlet for his unspent rage masked as chivalry by beating the absolute shit out of these dudes. Um, and then walking all the way home. Just like a sad boy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but this is a whoopsie because those Russian dudes are connected to big boy Russian dude, Yulian, who likes to do classic Russian things like pounding shots, sniffing cocaine, doing karaoke. And slashing a dude's throat with a broken martini glass. Mm. Also, he's the caretaker of the Russian mob's money. So, yes. that's, that's important. Now, cue the rest of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Russian mob man um, and Hutch play a cheeky game of cat and mouse in which Russian man hit, sends hit squads to Hutch's house and Hutch burns all of Russian man's millions. And then the whole thing ends with a major shootout booby trap bonanza at Hutch's old workplace, which is conveniently equipped with all the materials one needs in order to make bonkers shit like rebar cannons. Yeah, it's like rebar cannons. It's like Home Alone if if Kevin were an adult. And an absolute <laughs> yeah. fucking psychopath. Hutch's mind is a twisted fucking place. Who would think so a rebar cannon? So is Kevin can- McAllister. Yeah, well, this is true. <laughs> yeah. But yes, rebar cannons. Amazing and gross. Um, disgusting. Um, also, don't forget that his workplace is where Pizza Pocket Gun is. That's also important. Yes. At some point, Papa Hutch comes out of retirement and Brother Hutch decides to stop hiding behind a radio uh, because that's, of course, who it was. And all three boys kick Russian butt together. Nothing says family time like shooting people with rebar cannons. (laughs) And then the cops come on the scene conveniently just after all the Russians are dead and just as Hutch finds a tiny little kitten in the debris. He's then hauled off to wherever the fuck he is in the opening scene. Uh, But don't worry, there are literally zero repercussions for white men who have fully murdered dozens of people in various public locations. And Hutch is quickly released. In the final moments of the movie, Hutch and Mrs. Hutch are home shopping because their old home was burned down by a turntable. (laughs) A very interestingly rigged, rigged to blow. And this is how we know that this movie is a masterpiece because the turntable is clearly wordplay on how Hutch keeps turning the tables on Yulian. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They go deep in this one. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. He and he's burning his house down Mm -hmm. with the turn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways. So, uh, Hutch and Mrs. Hutch are out of the house as a result. So they're now home shopping and Hutch gets a mystery call on the real estate agent's phone. So he just must not possess a phone. Right. Well, I think, I think again, like he's, he's gotten out of the. So he's just like super lying low, very analog life. I think so. I think it's on purpose that he has a very analog life. And we're also meant to think that he's just sort of like. Uh, a dad who doesn't understand mm, anything. Like, oh, do, 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 do. What do I do with this screen? Oh. 
Yeah, but then he can build a rebar cannon and kill, yeah. kill guys. Well, and also it seems like he's still very connected to the whole life. Yeah. So, like, he can just call up, like, the barber, who isn't actually a barber, but actually getting a shave himself. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I digress. We'll talk about this later. Yeah. But, like, it seems like it's, like, he's very close to it still. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Uh, so the call on the real estate agent's phone um, is a mystery to us. But then when he hangs up, he asks if the new place comes with a basement. So the game apparently is back on. And what the game is? why it is back on, what this all means to us. These are questions that will be answered in the possible sequel or else we'll take them to our graves. Yes, it's true. The end. Or we'll talk about them here. Or we'll talk about them here. <laughs> um, all right. I... <laughs> <laughs> Very good summary. This, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? First of all, let's talk about the lasagna. Yes. Let's talk about the lasagna. Because you're in a lasagna expert. Oh. You live with a lasagna master. I live with a lasagna yeah. master. Yeah. What I'm were hardly... your and Aaron's thoughts on the lasagna? Oh, I think we were very pro. So at one point... <laughs> you're, you're in support. Yeah, we're in lasagna. support. So, so I... Bob, Bob Odenkirk's character um, is kind of just trying to patch things up with his wife. And so uh, right before all of this, this foo goes on, um, he offers to make a lasagna and he makes a lasagna and pours her a glass of wine and the lasagna looks amazing. Um, okay. Does it, I, I haven't had a lasagna in many a year, so I think it looks real. I okay. mean, what's not to love about noodles and cheese and I do love those yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently there was a fight on set because Connie Nielsen did not believe that Parmesan cheese belongs on top of a lasagna, <gasps> which I'm like, what? <laughs> Is she vegan? Also, but, she well, she's Danish, so yeah. what does she know? I mean, no judgment, Connie Nielsen, but yeah, kind of judgment. Yeah, they're not known. For I wouldn't. Them. They're not known for their their rich foods, are mm-hmm. they? They're I don't known know. for like you know cold fish and and pickles and things. Yes, but love a pickle. I but... thought this lasagna looked good. All right, and it was just a damn dirty shame that they didn't get to eat the lasagna. Oh, because they should have taken the, they so, should have taken it to the basement, yeah, right? Snacks while your husband slash father is know. fighting off a Russian death squad upstairs. You don't know how long you're going to be need down there. You snacks for down there. Yeah. He put all of this time and effort into this lasagna and some guy dies in it. Yeah. It's no good. It's very unfortunate. It you is. You eat around the guy. Oh no. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you would you would give that a, a strong rating, the lasagna presence. Well, I I mean I'm not I'm not terribly picky about lasagna, but okay. I I think it looked good. All right. All right. Did good, you not think enough. it looked good? Again, I I have so little to judge it on. I I have a sad life in which I mostly eat fried eggs. So <laughs> That sounds good to me. Uh well, yes. <laughs> I mean, I I don't hate it, but um <laughs> I I uh, didn't have very much to go on, but I mm. I did appreciate that that he was trying to patch things up by being like, "Here, wife, have noodles and tomato and cheese." Yeah, it goes a long way when it's yeah. like, "Honey, I will make you a lasagna and pour you some oh wine." Oh my god, it really goes Folly. a long way. But anyway, we will have you over for lasagna so that you you can. Thank you. This was all this just like a sneaky way of I, me to yeah. Thank I know you. it, Good. and I see it. I see you, and I hear you. I'm still Irving. All right. What do you want to talk about uh, that's not lasagna or lasagna related? I don't care. <laughs> um, I was really struck both times watching this with um, ideas of 
of family life and masculinity mm-hmm. and the household. Um, I was also really struck this time that this kind of ends up as a buddy comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, even while people are getting hit with rebar cannons. Um, and, and buddy comedy between Hutch and Papa Hutch. And his brother. And his brother, yeah. But also, at the very last scene, a buddy comedy between Hutch and his wife. Yeah, that's true. Because she's sort of like, wink, wink, does like the basement. Oh. Yeah. And then in the post credit scene, a buddy comedy between (sighs) Papa Hutch and Papa Hutch and Brother Hutch. Yeah. So. They have actual names, but like, kind of everyone is only important in proximity to Hutch. Yeah. And so I'm really struck by the ways the people bond mm. in this movie and the things they bond over. And I'm, I'm also really interested in um, Bob Odenkirk's character, um, his kind of, the, the way his house is sort of this, oh, how do I put it? It's this place for something bad to happen. They're never home, or they're very mm. rarely home. They're home to sleep. They're home to eat. Yeah. But everybody is always being seen leaving. Yeah. He does all of his exercise, including pull-ups at a bus shelter yeah. outside the house. His wife is a realtor who sells other people houses. The kids are going to school. Mm-hmm. Like, the house is, is almost made to be a panic room. Yeah. Or at least very transitory. It's very like, transitory. It's, it's like, well, yeah. I guess it is actually made to be a panic room because the whole the basement, basement is a panic, is a panic room. room yeah um and also like a a panic room slash like incinerator yeah so it's both like designed to like keep people safe inside it but also designed to like burn them to a hot crisp yeah well he says doesn't he isn't there a line about bone turns to ash at three thousand degrees and this does twice that or something like yeah that? so it's yeah it's like okay this is this is not a typical basement. He's had this done. Um, Some special alterations. Yeah. But I, I yeah. couldn't help but think, like, I think a big chunk of this movie is about identity, mm-hmm. right? And how it's, it's like they're taking that common trope of you have to choose, right? The spy life or the family life. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're messing with it a little bit because they're, they're saying, why not both? Mm-hmm. Right, like he he gets so upset with himself because he likes it. Mm-hmm. Right, he likes beating those guys up. Yeah, he likes making trouble. But you see him a couple of times look at himself in the mirror with blood all over, and he's just like, "Shit." Yeah. But then he's he's back in there, like he's missed it. Yeah. And like I said before, one of my favorite parts of this movie is when his daughter can't find her kitty cat bracelet, and that's the last straw, and he's like. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, like whoa, I'm dude. Going oh, hunting. Oh, boy. Yeah. And that kitty cat bracelet is the thing. And he, but he's kind of, he's not obsessing over the kitty cat bracelet. At one point, he finds it in his house and he's like, huh, look at that. Yeah. Because it was here all along. Yeah. Whatever. He's so far in. But I, one thing I really think is interesting about this movie is that it, it brings up those really common tropes Mm -hmm. and then kind of does away with them. Mm -hmm. Like when, when his wife finds out about his life there, they've been having trouble 
it would make sense for her to say, what, you've lied to me mm-hmm. our whole marriage. I am leaving yeah. and I'm taking the kids I don't with know me. you. Yeah, that's what happens in every other movie. Mm-hmm. But in this one, she's like, kind of happy that he's happy. Yeah. Like, it actually helps their marriage that he's no longer miserable. <laughs> it's like, finally, oh, she has a hobby so he can stop moping around the house. Yeah. <laughs> and then they share this this little joke about having a basement in their next house at the <sighs> end. And it's like, oh, this actually has solved their problem. <laughs> yeah. Who knew that killing a bunch of Russians would actually be the perfect thing for their marriage? Yeah. And he's a very involved dad. Like, he, there's this really tender moment. Is he? I think so. Oh, with the with the daughter, I think more than the well, son. Well, I think the son is is just like your typical teenager who mm. he the son has this a ne'er do well. Well, he a has rascal. this crisis moment right where he thinks his dad's gonna save the day and he doesn't. Yeah. And he thinks his dad is a wimp when actually, as we learn later, Bob Odenkirk sees that the gun the woman robber has is empty. Yeah. And he doesn't want to bludgeon her yeah (laughs) because i mean they're clearly bad at in over their heads yeah yeah so that's he takes all this crap from everybody Mm -hmm. because he's actually being merciful Mm -hmm. but yeah i think his his son is just but you also see it accumulate and build and build yeah like as he takes it and then the straw that breaks the his back is like the the kitty kitty cat bracelet but i think he really tries with his son his son's just kind of in that that kind of my parents aren't my heroes anymore phase. Yeah. But his daughter's true. still there. And she Yeah, very much like, so. She really looks up to, to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you see him sort of, he loves being a family man and he loves being an assassin. And he just, <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's sort of like John Wick in that way where, you know, he gets out to have a family but I, yeah, speaking of ways that, that this sort of undermines, like, like, um, the trope, this is, I think, one of the only movies I can think of where the wife isn't fridged. Yeah. And the family is fine. Like, yeah. everyone is fine. Like, it, it helps he is, everything. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, they are all safe. They yeah. are all good. They are going to start again. But, like, they're kind of not even phased by it. Like, yeah, like there's that scene. There's a scene when like Bob Odenkirk is fighting off the bad guys uh, upstairs and the rest of the family is locked in the panic room in the basement. And they're all just kind of like unfazed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. So it's not even like it's it it's played as if they aren't even like emotionally scarred by this mm-hmm. or like psychically scarred. like they are. They seem perfectly fine yeah like just a regular day yeah there's there's also a scene when after the the bus fight Mm -hmm. um bob odenkirk's character comes home and his wife sees him all beaten up and she's she's cleaning him up and at one point they say something about like oh just like old times or something Mm -hmm. and at that point i wondered if she knew i did too but she didn't know how she do we just, know that she didn't know though? Because I he tells her later. Oh. Like she she and she doesn't know what's going on. She says a few times, like, tell me what's going on. Like you're on. gonna right, or yeah. you're gonna explain this later. So she's you or used to cleaning him up. Yeah. But she has no idea why. Yeah. Or what the thing she knows isn't true. Mm-hmm. 
So there's that sort of that that she's not super surprised that he's all beat up. Yeah. Um, and yet they're kind of at the point in their relationship where she's not even she's she doesn't even really ask. Yeah. She's like, like you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. She's like, all right, well, whatever. And like they sleep with a pillow between them. Like they Yeah. Not, yeah. Although that's the night where, you know, another significant moment Mm -hmm. where she like takes the pillow away from the, between the two of them. Because they have a conversation. They have a little moment and he says, I miss you. Yeah. And we haven't fucked. Yeah. Well, we get the idea that they've been very siloed. Like they just don't communicate. They've, you know, well, we get that groundhog day montage at the beginning where it's like, they're all set in this like very prescribed pattern. Mm -hmm. And, and like she, Repeats the same things over and over, and he repeat like they have the same conversations without having conversations. Yeah, well, and she there's she keeps telling him when he misses the garbage truck every time she's like, "You missed the garbage, or you you didn't take the garbage." I have another question, and it's about like, that. "What are you monster?" He knows. He, he knows. knows. He chased after the garbage truck in his bare feet. <laughs> we see him do this. Every mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Does this mean that they have an entire backyard just stacked with their garbage? Or does he then also drive the garbage to the dump each week? That's a good question. Because if he misses it all the time. Yeah. Where is it going? A very good question. Thank you. I would put it in that neighbor's garbage. Yeah. Fuck that dude. Yeah. He is the worst. Or in his car. His Ugh. douchey neighbor. Oh my God. Actually, so coming back to the whole, like, that evening when he comes back from his sort of first, like, major, like, he, he's on the hunt, he's done his detective work, he's gone to the robber's house and not been satisfied with that encounter, so then he's had this much more satisfying, like, violent altercation with these dudes on the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is sort of like the first, like, he's really, like, you know stretching old muscles in in every possible way <laughs> you know um but but then he comes home and he's having that like that sort of like conversation with his wife and it seems like the first conversation forever and then and then she takes the pillow away and they're sort of sleeping closer together and then the next morning he, when he goes for a jog like he looks like a new man he yeah. is grinning ear to ear yeah and I was like, hmm, someone fucked. But, like, it, it also just seems like he is just, like, like got his groove back yeah. in every single way. Totally. And we don't know whether it's, like, because of, like, the bus altercation or because he finally had a conversation with his wife. But it seems like, like it doesn't quite matter. Like, those are just sort of, like, all of the same piece. Yeah. It well, conflates, I... like, him emotionally bonding with his wife with him finally like being a man on a bus and having his old skill set like you know exercised well and i i think it's interesting that you bring up being a man because i think this movie has a lot to say about masculinity Mm -hmm. but i i want to go back for a second to how happy he is and and his excitement in i have never um, run while grinning that hard never ever never ever but but i'm struck by when he um when the russians invade his home and the family's in the panic room. At one point, he clocks one of them with the kettle that is just boiled, mm. which means he put the kettle on 
for the express purpose of hitting <laughs> someone with a hot kettle. And he is so excited to do it. Like he's now he's planning his moves. He's building like a, a booby trap warehouse. <laughs> he's using his mm-hmm. whatever silver and gold bars to buy his father-in-law's workplace. Like it's like James Bond if James Bond were a dad. Like it's <laughs> it's really like an American barbecuing apron wearing dad. Mm-hmm. Um and it's the joy is palpable. <laughs> like that kettle scene I was just like he he, this was a plan that worked yeah. out. He, first of all, put his family in the panic room. Yeah. Then he put the kettle on to boil. <laughs> yeah. Knowing that he would get to splash boiling water in someone's face and clock them with a kettle. Yeah. Oh, so silly. Which is also, I mean, I think we can move into that conversation about masculinity because mm-hmm. he's making use of his kitchen. Mm-hmm. Like it's, he's making use of the domestic space. Finally. Yeah. But to murder people. Yeah. Um, And I, I think, I mean, we see him up against his douchey neighbor, mm-hmm. his douchey brother-in-law, his father-in-law. Charlie. Ugh. <laughs> Bad Charlie. Bad Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> but like all of BC. these, these kind of toxic male guys who are just like why didn't you you know yeah stand up for your family i would have i would have you know they're kind of the drowning in their own bravado mm-hmm. um and he's just exercising this patience this quietness and pushing it down mm-hmm. and then we see the guys on the bus and they're partying and they're sort of doing whatever and at that point he's just i mean i i wonder if he sees the guys on the bus and he sees his neighbor and his brother-in-law and yeah. you know all of these guys who give oh, him a fully. hard time. Um, because he's not, I mean, he, he does say at one point, like he wants to make sure the girl gets home safely. Yeah. But he's, I wouldn't even say that he's a hundred percent protecting her. Oh, he, it's fully an excuse for him yeah. to just beat them up. Like he, he, he waits for, I think he waits. The other thing that's interesting is that he's always waiting for, someone else to instigate and then Mm -hmm. he like reacts with major force yes so he's like he's like make me fight you make me fight you each time and then when he does like on the bus that girl he's like it's it is just an excuse because she's just sitting there well like she could be a casualty of the the violence happening it's a tight space and she's just sitting there yeah it's not until a while later that he's like ah get off this bus (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which is another way it upends the trope, right? Yeah. He's, he's not being this it's ideal not heroic. masculine man. Yeah, he's not a hero. He kind of gets his ass kicked as well, mm-hmm. right? Like he, or there are kind of, there are times when he slips or falls down. Like, he's, yeah. And, and from what I read, that was very much on purpose because mm. Bob Odenkirk didn't want the character to be this, you yeah. know, larger than life fighter. He wanted him to be a regular guy who trains. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So yeah, this was, this was him kind of getting all of that emotion out mm-hmm. um, in, in perhaps an unhealthy way in many respects, mm-hmm. um, but also in a way that makes him really happy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the same with, you know, when he's planning his, his warehouse of death. Yeah. He's excited when he's fighting alongside his dad and his brother. He's so happy. 
Like they're all yeah. just, it's like, it's like his father is 20 years younger. Okay. And I'm going to tell you my moment of joy now because oh, that plays into it. Please do. Uh, so one of my moments of joy is pre- precisely this, where um, they're at the final shootout at the construction company site. And, and um, Hutch has just gotten shot. And it looks like bad news for him. And then... All of a sudden he turns around and he sees Christopher Lloyd walk up with like guns strapped all over him. And he's like, dad. And you just see Christopher Lloyd like, wait, like he's like a tiny old man at this Mm -hmm. point, weighted down with guns with this most maniacal grin on his face. And he's just like, ha ha, son. Yeah. And it's hilarious. And he looks deranged. But he also is just like having such a fun time. Yeah, it's almost tender because Christopher Lloyd, so he's in a nursing home, but he's ex-FBI, right? Yeah, that's the backstory. Like at one point, Hutch tells him, you know, just so you know, things went awry be careful they might come for you and so he's sitting there with his lap blanket and his his shoot 'em ups on and these two guys break into his nursing home room and he just like so easily murders them he pulls a shotgun like a sawed off shotgun and like wallops them with his loud western on so (laughs) that the security guy comes in and just assumes his tv's too loud and he's like whoopsie you know like he's just still a genius yeah and presumably the brother's on the run for some I reason. I think, yeah, that's, like, he's in hiding. Yeah. So him him coming out is this, this act of brotherly solidarity. Yeah. And we just, I mean, I think this movie is, is really kind of valuing family relationships and these sorts of, this kind of love mm. that goes on. That's, I mean, it's so tender. And, and like... <laughs> They don't get killed. Like, like, it's not like, no. Like, like family is sort of the one thing that's, like, left pristine. Mm-hmm. Even, even, like, shitty family, like the in-laws. Mm-hmm. Like, the nothing happens to, like, terrible brother Charlie mm-hmm. and the pop. Like, they get rich, like, selling yeah. their company and then they fuck off. Like, they're also fine and they yeah. do well, presumably. And, and the, the trope would be the brother comes out of hiding and gets killed. Yeah, but totally. he gets shot in the shoulder and he's just like, I can't believe you got me shot in the shoulder. Like, yeah. And, 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 and then that, the next time we see him, he's perfectly fine. He's in an RV with his dad driving guns Loaded. down the coast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Smuggling guns, who knows where. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's, this movie is very preserving of the family yeah and i mean it's 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 very much is like it felt like this movie feels like really kind of like old-timey in Mm. in like that that value that like family always has your back yeah well even with the russians right yulian is mad because one of the guys on the bus was his brother yeah and and I mean Hutch gives him an emergency trach with a drinking straw. Yeah. Because he crushes his windpipe. Um, but everybody knows, and this is brought up a bunch, that Julian just hates his brother. Mm-hmm. But it's his brother. Yeah. That so doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he hates his brother because he's his brother and he yeah. has to fight whoever hurt his brother. Um, which is sort of a more common Mm-hmm. trope i think but it's it's interesting how both I, sides treat family yeah and i mean i i feel like 
that what they do with that in terms of like, oh, I feel sort of hostile to this person, but I'm still going to fight for them. Um, is sort of given a different spin in the like nuclear family context where like the tiny, like it's, it's not like, like he loves all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Hutch does. Um, so it's not that, but like he uses the tiniest slights against them as reason to do stuff. Mm -hmm. So like, again, it's also like, oh, okay, well, this isn't like reasonable, (laughs) (laughs) but you're doing something for family. So yeah, like the, a tiny shitty bracelet that your daughter has misplaced and like kids are fucking idiots. They lose things all the time, but (laughs) you're taking that to mean I've got to go kill everyone. Yeah. Like, this is the last absolute straw, and my daughter is Now they've come after my daughter's kitty cat bracelet! This is it! Well, and he says, he tells, it's Yulian, right? Uh He tells Yulian at one point, like, you came to my house, you don't do that. Yeah. Like, it's like Yulian broke this rule, or this code, that you don't violate that, that sanctuary. And and so the bracelet is just a symbol of that, I think. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's it's then gone. Like we don't care about the bracelet anymore. When yeah. he finds it, we're like, oh yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's fully just it's, an excuse. Yeah, it's yeah. not about the bracelet at all. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I think too. Just just to talk a bit more about the the sort of journey of the self in this movie and Hutch's Hutch's attempt to find balance between assassinating and dadding. Um, The soundtrack is so good in this movie and it's so I mean, it's, it's you really like this movie. I really do. That's so funny. I I have watched it twice now and have been like, yeah, this is silly (laughs) it's so silly and that's what i love about it and i love bob odenkirk yes Um, but but yeah it's i mean this this movie is full of frank sinatra and andy williams and you know dream the impossible dream and and oh it's a dad soundtrack too but it's it's so like of a different era Mm -hmm. like it's 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 old-timey like hutch is old-timey yeah um like he is almost older than he it like seems. Yeah. From a different like bygone era mm-hmm. of whatever. Gentleman heroes or whatever. Which feels very dad. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the the <laughs> or or dad esque, I should say. The 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 myth of the dude that is just gonna watch out for you no matter what. Mm-hmm. And support you no matter what. And mow down all manner of, of hooligans in order to get a kitty cat bracelet for you. Mm-hmm. And and tell his son, that was a great takedown, son. <laughs> oh my <laughs> which, God. which kind of links the his relationship with his dad and his brother. Yeah. And links his son in. Like, his son is almost that in training. Mm-hmm. Which isn't great. But it's yeah, no, it's a it's a <laughs> an inheritance of violence for sure. Yeah, but it's almost treated in such a way as as like it's so inclusive and tender. Once you realize, like, oh, yeah. he's like just a chip off the old block, and and the fact that yeah, his wife is just like, well, I'm glad you told me, and <laughs> you know, like now yuck 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 about the basement and the new house. It has to 
you know, like, yeah, like it's almost as though the honesty, like coming clean is more important than mm-hmm. <laughs> how much he enjoys his uh, assassin job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh, I don't know. I, I feel a little bit more cynical about this movie's um, approach to violence because it is so, so intense and gratuitous. Mm-hmm. It's very, very violent. Uh, like, like John Wick, like we keep referencing John Wick because the same dude wrote the John Wick movies, or at least the first couple, I think, and this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very similar in many ways. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's why. But um, if it seems more violent than the John Wick, maybe because it's juxtaposed against such banality at home and such a, like, like normcore suburban life. Mm-hmm. But, but the violence is really intense. Well, I think, too, like, we see, like, chunks of bodies just, like, thrown about all the time. Mm-hmm. And I cannot emphasize this enough. Rebar cannons. Yeah, rebar cannons. Well, I think part of it, too, is John Wick is is so dark. Mm-hmm. Like, lighting-wise, it's so dark, and it's mm-hmm. so most of the scenes are at night. And, and yeah. it's, this is, is bright. Like, there's something about... There's a family drama mixed in here, and the lighting is, is yeah. up, and we see so much more of the violence in the light of day. That's true. And I think... Um, I agree. I yeah. think there's something cynical to be seen there about how um it's it's kind of easy to brush off violence when it's dark and sleek and sexy, but when yeah. it's it's, you know, typical dad <laughs> and and you know bright lights in a warehouse, it's it's less there's less to hide. And 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 maybe maybe where my discomfort is coming from more also is the family connection. Mm, mm-hmm. Where I I think it's really easy for me to like parse like like violence in abstract where like the John Wick movies, yeah, like they're sort of like triggered by the flimsiest of, you know, incidences, but at some point they just carry that sort of like its own like fantasy momentum mm-hmm. where you know he's just killing someone because someone else is coming to kill him and they're just like it's like snowballing and there are rules <laughs> and there are rules and it's and, it, and it's yeah. like so far beyond anything that's real it's just it's just its own thing but it all starts because his wife dies and someone kills his dog his puppy like it, there's a family connection there too yeah, we just don't see them. It's just, it's just like at this point so far, like now that we're on the fourth movie, I think, mm-hmm. and we've been so deep in the weeds of like this, this bonkers like international society of assassins for so long <laughs> that 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 is feels like a distant memory. But the but I guess my, what my point is is having this so closely step like hand in hand. Um, where he's like a good family man and an extremely violent man. And mm-hmm. yeah, he's wrestling with both, but one is also kind of the impetus for the other. Yeah. And, and there is this like really uncomfortable feeling, and maybe this is too dark, but like, but just, it, it feels like if he doesn't have this outlet for the Russian dudes, like like where is it gonna come back on 
Mm. You know, like it, like because he is, he is, he's very volatile. He yeah. is, um, and and also just knowing that this like directly came out of like Bob Odenkirk's own like revenge fantasies for like personal home mm-hmm. invasions. Yeah, I think is also like really uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think. I think we're meant to see like he he is hardest on himself or he ta- he uses that that rage on himself when he punches the brick wall mm. or like when he steals his neighbor's car mm-hmm. that's you know that's part of his rage <laughs> <laughs> um so I think he's really careful to keep it away from his family to the point at which his family thinks he's boring yeah because he's just so so he's so locked down locked down yeah um, but yeah, there's, there's something I like about this movie in that it's, it doesn't, it kind of problematizes the, the violent hero by saying, now what if he's a dad and a husband Yeah, <laughs> and like, it, it wants to keep being those things. Well, it's like all those serial killers that were like, oh, like we never want to think of them in terms of a domestic life. Yeah. Because he, I mean. They only is... exist in the context of killing, mm-hmm. like, you know, or, or yeah. it's so uncomfortable to think of both at the same time. Totally. And he says at one point, and this is common, like, I got out because I wanted to have a wife and kids. But then the fact that he gets back in because yeah. of the wife and kids, like, it's... So it's this circle. They sort of feed off each yeah, other. Yeah. And it's so interesting. And it, it makes sense in a way. I mean, mm-hmm. it... Imagine if it's not a super duper violent job, but it's a job you love that you decide to give up because you don't think you can do it and have this other thing you want. Mm-hmm. And then turns out you can. Like, it's yeah. Because somehow your family's okay with it. Um, yeah, it's just a really, it's a really bizarre premise. Yeah. Um, but I like that they go there and they, they mm-hmm. sort of, and it like, Right down to the the kitten in his jacket because oh my he tells God, his the fucking kitten because his daughter is like daddy I think we need a kitten and he's like I think you're right <laughs> and so the kitten too when like at the height of his you know he finds it after he's just murdered yeah. a bunch of guys in terrible ways yeah he finds a kitten and he's so tender and makes sure he gets food for the kitten and brings a can opener. So he's all of this stuff for the kitten and you know that that's, it's reminding us, oh yeah, he still has to bring a kitten home to his daughter (laughs) and to their no home. Like it's, he's just like a dad and an assassin, Mm -hmm. a a dad assassin. A dad, disassin, dad, dassin. (laughs) All right. All right. (laughs) Anyway, I think it's, it does interesting things with action tropes and I, We'll die on that hill. <sighs> yeah. And who doesn't love Bob Odenkirk as an absolute dad? Mm. <sighs> the role he, he was born to play. He is one anyway. He might as well play one. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it is. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to reconcile my discomfort and also my enjoyment of this movie. Mm. Um. And I think maybe it's just, you know, they're going to walk hand in hand. Yeah. Like, it's, I I think, 
like like you were saying before, it's so easy to watch an action movie and just sort of be swept up and be like, this, this is, is not all fake. Yeah, yeah, this is not real life. And and knowing that this is in part born from mm-hmm. Bob Odenkirk's home invasion experiences. Mm-hmm. Um and also, you know, just being a real shoot 'em up kind of movie, like it does it does ask us to think about that. And it is uncomfortable mm-hmm. because it's fun to watch. Oh, and it's procedurally enjoy like like the thing with the kettle you said, and like watching hi- him be methodical, as methodical as he is in his regular life, being an accountant, making lasagna, you mm-hmm. know, all of these like very normal dad things, and then using the same attention to detail to like making bonkers shit (laughs) to murder people brutally and like that's the same like it's the same process and Mm -hmm. we're just seeing it used in very different ways to very different ends Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah because what he's doing is really no different from what we see any action star doing Mm -hmm. he's just carrying a a whole other context with him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, all right. Uh we haven't even talked about how Colin Salmon shows up for a hot second. Oh yeah. And is like, here's some knowledge. I'm the barber. Slash I have no hair. Ha ha ha. Lol. Yeah. <laughs> he jokes he doesn't say that, but I <laughs> but he noticed. Really doesn't have hair. <laughs> he really doesn't. Yeah. He's the barber, right? I think so. Cause the brother is like, you got to go see the barber. And, and Hutch is like, I know. And then he goes and shows up. And Colin Salmon is in the barber's seat. He's getting a shave. Getting a shave. Yeah. By a barber. Yes. So it is confusing. Hence the, yeah. 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 And at no time do we ever see Colin Salmon barbering someone else. No. So what do we do with that? Maybe his last name is Barber. <gasps> <laughs> what? Impossible. Maybe he's known for cutting other things. <laughs> like lives. Throats. Throats. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked that sort of brief, brief Colin Salmon show up because it's, it's like, oh, he's part of this whole other life. Like, there's a whole other cast and whole other world of people and experiences that that hutch has yeah and like contacts that that he hasn't talked to in years yeah and he's just kind of we see them but they're not they don't become major characters it's Mm. just like they're alluded to and then colin salmon shows up because he's awesome so yeah yeah super great yeah um okay do you have anything else you want to talk about before we go into moments of joy I don't think so. You really love this movie. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Uh, well, I think I would give it at least like an 8 out of 10. An 8 out of 10. Okay. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. All right. I, you want me to go moments of joy? Yeah. Um, I think for as violent as this movie is, there are so many really, really funny parts. Yeah. Um, I mean, the... <laughs> When he's in the the burglar's apartment, 
he's gets right up in their faces and he's so scary and he says give me the goddamn kitty cat bracelet motherfucker <laughs> and it's just like yeah good oh nice work um yeah or um when he um <laughs> there's a slow-mo shootout um that he's going through and Andy Williams' The Impossible Dream is playing, and I really got a kick out of that. Yeah. Um, and then at the at the warehouse, um, there's they're kind of mid, mid, you know, landmining, bombing, shooting, rebar cannoning, and uh, Hutch is right beside this, you know, those work calendars where it's like it has been this many days since a workplace uh. incident, and he like just erases it. <laughs> And I'm like, yes, stupid. Yes, so stupid. But I was like, yes, Bob Odenkirk, you still got it. It's just such a little thing. And it's just because this is a very funny man playing a very serious serious. role. And so any little thing, I'm just. You're just like, oh, squeezing it for all it's worth. Yeah, totally. And then just like the pure joy when when Christopher Lloyd has a shotgun in his hand and he's so. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's very strange. Um, so my moments of joy were, as I said, the Christopher Lloyd one where he's like, ha ha, son. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but I also really loved the moment where, um, uh, the big, big Russian guy is, is going to visit his brother in the hospital after the bus incident and, and a couple of the other uh, goons are, are, are bandaged up. And and Yulian's like, where do I find this man? And you just see <laughs> a random dude who's like fully bandaged, like neck to toe, holding up a bloody bus pass. <laughs> and it's just like such a silly moment to be like, ah, yes, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> uh, and then also when the, the break in happens, uh, the burglars like pry open the garage door with a pizza box. Uh, And that's how they get into the house. But the way the cops talk about it makes it sound like it's like this well-known hack. They're like, oh, the old pizza box in the garage door. Which again (laughs) is all his fault because he missed the garbage. That's right. Yeah. yeah, Those cops are just victim blaming all over the place. Like if that would have been me, I would have blah, blah, blah. Like it's yeah, yeah, it's so gross. It's gross, but I just love the idea that there's like a rash of burglaries Pizza box that burglaries. are burglaries. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I mean, again, this is a sign that this is a tight movie. The connection of Pizza Box at the beginning with Pizza Box Gun later on, yeah, yeah. like oh my god, different Pizza Box, but that's you know Very it's symmetrical. drawing a line between the two of them. Although I definitely have my doubts that a Pizza Box could hold up a garage door. Oh, yeah. What's that box made of? Titanium? Come on. Come on. It's a very good box. (sighs) It's a very good box. Um, Do you want to hear just uh, one single fact about this movie that I thought was very impressive? Yes. And then can I do one? Yes. Uh, And then we need to talk about all the Winnipeg locations we noticed. Yes. Okay. Um, So just poor Christopher Lloyd. Apparently he almost dropped out of the film because he had IBS. Oh, no. He was very ill. Oh, yeah, that's not a fun thing poor, to have. Poor baby. So yeah, R.I.P. Christopher Lloyd's butt. Mm. 
that's wow that's but bad. he looks great i'm glad he didn't drop out he's really he's really pulling through in that yeah, yeah 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 all right so yours mine is one that that aaron uh just told us which is that the bus driver in the bus scene My is hero. a local actress named joanne rodriguez who is a musician known for playing in bands such as the vagiants american flame whip and the sorrells <sighs> And you're like, I had already clocked her as like the hottiest hottie in this movie. And I was like, girl, call me. But this is just, <laughs> this is amazing to hear also. Yeah. Also, the Vagiants is maybe the best band name I've oh, ever heard. Like, how have I never heard of that before? That's amazing. So good. Local band, local, local actress. Listen now. Gonna. Winnipeggers. Propose unite. immediately. Yeah, do it. Um. Okay. So, so the house that um like the hutch house Mm -hmm. is in white ridge okay but i think the interiors were filmed on a soundstage Hmm. um because hard to have a you know russian death squad shoot them up when you're in like a nice a nice house in 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 the suburbs it would be expensive it would be very expensive um did you clock any other locations in particular Oh, like all of Main Street? All of Main Street. And, uh, all of Princess. Antiques and Funk before Antiques and Funk! <laughs> the He's... Russian Club was 441 Main. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was very cool. Um, Like all of his bus routes, like he passes like the Bank of Montreal a couple times. Yeah. Um, The, the car crash happens on like, um, oh fuck, it's like Princess and Elgin. Oh, I think. Yeah, okay, okay. Right like yeah. near the train tracks. Yeah. Um and I did I didn't didn't recognize this from the movie, but I read somewhere that the hospital was the Miz. Oh, that yeah, makes Misericordia. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So lots of fun places. It also is quite hilarious for me to watch maybe this was also affecting my watch this time around, but like seeing how like there's these extended car chases mm-hmm. and shoot 'em ups and and just knowing that this is all happening in like a three square block yeah, radius yeah. in downtown exchange. <laughs> I mean like, oh yeah, they're just circling around, <laughs> around and around. <laughs> well and there was like no traffic. And there's no traffic. Which is just like must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Movie magic. <laughs> So that was a little bit of a, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's it's so fun to recognize places. and Oh, it, it really yeah. is. Yeah. And and I mean, a lot of films are shot in Winnipeg, but well, like we said, like so few of them are like so clearly like, like using mm-hmm. Winnipeg as Winnipeg. Well, it's an amazing city to shoot a movie in. There are mm-hmm. so many, like Weird you could shit. do a period film here, no problem mm-hmm. with all of the old buildings. You can do shoot 'em ups, yeah. Nice wide streets, like it's yeah. It looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks really great. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any movie connections aside from like all the John Wicks? Is I... there a movie? Is there another action movie with a dude protagonist who is not motivated by the death of his wife? Yeah. See, Crickets. I mean. Crickets. Die hard, but he's motivated by the the possible death of his, well, and the possible divorce. So the possible That's right. loss of his wife. Yeah, but yeah, there's. It's usually like the family is is dead or leaving. 
Yeah. And so, yeah, this is... Which isn't even a, like, I mean, it kind of is. Like, he puts them in the basement so they're not hurt. But, like, there's never even, like, a psych-out moment where it's like, oh, almost, like, or, you know. And they're still in the house. Someone trips or whatever. Yeah. They're all still together. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Hmm. Even when he gets tased, he goes home. Or, like, he goes back to his family and lets them out of the basement. Yeah. He takes a shower first. <laughs> and then lets them out of the basement. Well, he, he cleans up a little bit. He takes a shower. Yeah, I think he cleans up the house a little bit. Like, there are still bodies and... Do you think he eats some of the lasagna? I would. Yeah. <laughs> I would eat around the Leaving the them to just sit in the basement waiting. Hey, what they don't know <laughs> What's one more secret? <laughs> Uh, you make a good point. You make a good point. Also, it would be traumatizing for the children to see their dad fresh from a trunk. This is true. Mm. Yeah, you make a good point. You make <laughs> a good point. Okay, and in summation, what did we learn? Juiciest bits and juiciest butts. Oh, I learned that you really can have it all. You can. Uh, <laughs> Christopher Lloyd is your dad. Yeah. Riza is your brother. Connie Nielsen is your wife. You can be a randoms as your kids. Yeah. yeah. Randoms as your kids. We don't care about them. Whatever. <laughs> and yeah, juiciest butt. I mean <sighs> And a house in White Ridge. Everyone wants a house in White Ridge. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but no no shade to those of you who have a house in the White Ridge. The only reason why I would want a house in White Ridge is because of those dope ass backyards. It's true. But aren't they now complaining that it smells too much like the dump that they decided to live by? Oh, no, <laughs> does it? I actually don't pay attention to White Ridge. No, All right. I, I, I might have the wrong. That's hilarious. Yeah, some All people right. are complaining that their air smells like garbage. Uh, and it's like, yeah, you live by the dump. Yeah, that's, you. That's idiots. on you. <laughs> well, that's what happens with the suburbs. Yep. Yep. I don't have that problem. You don't want to live down filthy downtown, so you live in the <laughs> filthy burbs instead. <laughs> The literally filthy burbs. The literal filth. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to say say Bobby O for, for Juiciest Butts because he worked hard on that butt. He worked hard on that butt, but it's still not great. I mean, it's... He's also like a 60-year-old man, but, but still. But it's better that, like, it's no Saul Goodman butt. Like... Oh, yeah. Because Saul Goodman didn't have a butt. So, <laughs> all that is new butt. Uh, it's... <laughs> Brand new butt. It's brand new butt. Freshly oh, minted butt. Fresh butt. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm coming around. I just have eyes only for the bus driver hottie. Mm-hmm. I have eyes for no one else. Your future wife. My future wife. Yeah. So I um I do see the Bobby O. I do acknowledge the Bobby O butt, but I am monogamous to bus driver hottie. So I think that is fair. Thank you. I look forward I'm to your wedding. Everything. Yeah. All right. You'll be invited. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> also, justice for Connie Nielsen. Yes. Yeah. She deserves more. Also, freckles are hot. Yeah, I agree. She's covered in freckles, and it's a it's a good look. It's yeah. so dope and cute. The sun is her friend. The sun is her friend. Not like me, who got a sunburn from being in the porch yesterday. Oh, no, dude. <laughs> it was like 15 degrees. It's hot in the porch. <laughs> Aaron was like, you should wear your hat and your sunscreen. And I'm like, it's May. 
but yes, I will. Every time someone criticizes you for for burning in 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 the hot hot you know cold spring sun, <laughs> you should say something in an Irish accent, and then uh, and then that's them told. <laughs> that's them told. Yeah, I'll I'll offend them good, or just like start hauling potatoes out of your pockets and throwing <laughs> them at them. Yeah, we all carry potatoes. <laughs> Am I being offensive and racist? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> but I love potatoes. I, I know Some you of do. my best friends are potatoes. <laughs> uh, so I guess that was it. That's it. Yeah, we're done. Um, for the juiciest bits, I'm, I've been Charlie. I've been Mandy. I'll continue to be Charlie. Yes. Still and you Mandy. will continue to be Mandy. Yep. For next time. For next time. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye.